how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Colin Stetson knew he wanted to be a performer at a very early age. When it was time to choose an instrument for school, he picked the saxophone. Over the years, he has worked extensively live and in studio with a wide range of bands and musicians, including Tom Waits, Arcade Fire, Bonnie Iver, TV on the Radio, Feist, Roy Anderson, Lou Reed, LCD Sound System, and David Gilmore. Meanwhile, he has developed an utterly unique voice as a soloist, principally on saxophones and clarinets. His intense technical prowess matched by his exhilarating and emotionally gripping skills as a songwriter. More recently, he's been asked to compose scores for films like Hereditary and Blue Caprice and Hulu's new series, The First. His music has also been featured in Electric Dreams, The Rover, Bad Times at El Royale, Arrival, and 12 Years a Slave. I started playing when I was nine. Um, I, it really wasn't anything, well, no, I guess it was something specific, but it, but it was just kind of like in the, in the general era of the time. I grew up in the 80s. It was, I mean, the late 70s, early 80s, there was a lot of, you know, um, there was a lot of sax and, and, and rock at that point, and pop music. Um, and when I grew up, my dad was really into music. So, yeah, um, I think that the earliest moment that I knew that I knew I wanted to play the saxophone was when I was like, I think probably five, five and, um, and, uh, was, uh, watching MTV with my older brother as you do when it's 1980. And, um, and we were watching a video for minute works. Who can it be now? And so then I, I, I decided that I wanted to play the saxophone. And then when it was when it was time when it, when when I was old enough for the the um, school to give us instruments to play in the band, I asked for that one, and that was that. So I know some of your solo work was originally like used in some films and, and TV shows, that kind of thing. What what were those first uh, projects that they picked up, and what led you to actually being a composer? Um, I've been I've been writing my own music for for ensembles and for solo um, since you know since I was a kid since I was in uh, high school and um, and arranging and the first film that 
came around to ask me to to compose was um, Blue Caprice by, by Alexander Morris, and he had um, been a fan of the solo work and and wanted to, you know, and wanted to speak to me about kind of uh, bringing that bringing my aesthetic to his his uh, his feature. But um, I've always been interested in in film in different capacities. When I was young, I was a visual artist as well as making music. And I wanted to, uh, early on, uh, one of my goals in life was to get into the industry, um, but in the visual effects um, uh, department, I wanted to, I, re- I really wanted to be active in that, in that regard. Um, but, you know, music shifted when I was about 15, I started to become all, um, just saturated in, in that, in that music, um, music as a, as a life's endeavor. And that ended up taking precedence over all other things. And it just kind of made sense though, that since uh, so much of my childhood and, and even, you know, was, was, was informed, uh, was was focused on imagery and, and on, a, a, on a had a penchant for the visual um, that eventually I would get into that in uh, in music. Blue Caprice was a pretty heavy subject matter. What was that like? Was it was it challenging or did you come in, you know, while during the filming process or after the you know the first version had already been filmed at the end? Um, I came in. Somewhere in the in the middle, they 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 had already put together an initial cut. Um, by the time I come, came in to start scoring, it was one of, you know it was a pretty typical um, job in that regard. There was temp; they temp the the, the the film out when they when they when they were doing the editing. And so you've done several films since then. I read an interview you did uh, about the movie Hereditary, which just came out not long ago. But I, I think, um, can you kind of tell us this story? I think the writer-director actually was listening to your music while he was writing the screenplay, and that what kind of led led you to getting this job. Can you talk about that process? Exactly. Um, Ari was had been influenced by my music during the course of uh, writing the screenplay, uh, writing the script for for Hereditary. He reached out to me right when he was finished with that first draft, and and just and told me that, and was eager to talk to me about. Being involved with it in some capacity, either as uh, as score writer or um, or licensing um, pre-existing music to some capacity, and you know he he threw me the a copy of the script and I read it, and I was pretty much on board based on what his what he had told me about what he wanted to do and and how the script uh, flowed and how it felt, and it, it's 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 incredibly unique. Um, in its structure and what it was trying to do, and yeah, it just uh, it all clicked. We were in touch since then, which was a few years ago, and um, and he just kept me informed as to what was going on with production. Um, what, what, you know, when they finally secured distribution and casting and everything, and and so being. Uh, so so involved from the get, I think I was the first in terms of everyone in the production. I was the first person secured um, on the film, and uh, and so I got to do preliminary writing and recording for that movie that that predated. I mean, I started working on it I think a year out from when it finally was seen by people. You know, just doing themes, which is an enormous help, and which I always try to get. Um, the opportunity to do these days so that you can avoid temping out a movie with a whole bunch of arbitrary music from other people's films. 
How did you go about that? So that's a very like jolting film. It's very different than the other horror movies that came out recently. How did you go, you know, as far as avoiding the old tropes of, of classic horror movies we've all seen and how did you kind of make it different with this film? Um, well, a couple, a couple of different approaches. One of them being that, um, so the idea that, um, I, I took the, 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 the idea of hiding in plain sight, um, on a couple of different, in a couple of different levels. So one being that I wanted each and every sound that was creating the score to, to not, to, to, to be very, um, to have an anonymity in terms of its sound source. And so be that in, in terms of a technique of playing an instrument or a technique of, of capturing the sound of an instrument or technique or a technique of, processing that sound once it's recorded or some combination of all three of those, um, you know, getting things so that, uh, normally, you know, there's a kind of ubiquity of certain string devices that are used in all horror films, you know, suspension, um, high suspended strings, tension, um, with, 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 with things like that and tremolo in violins and, and um, so for that, really, I approached it with clarinets using a, a huge choir of clarinets and then, um, you know, all doing poly, polyrhythms over and under one another in particular um, harmonies and, um, and then after the fact processing. So a lot of what ends up sounding kind of like that, um, that, that ever-present string um, tension builder uh, is usually the clarinets in, in this film um similar things were done with with a whole host of other instruments um particularly my voice i, I uh, probably 50 percent of the of the actual sound just like pound for pound on the score is done with my voice um but um yeah uh it was it was a lot of that and then um in terms of building it uh, con- uh conceptually thematically um it really was uh Uh, kind of this. My my intention was to to never draw attention to the score throughout any of it until the very very end, in a sense. So so um, to unravel the score for, for the for the unraveling um, and unfolding and unveiling of that of the score as to uh, as it, it as to its true identity um, for that to mirror the the film and how it gradually, um, painstakingly and very, um, minimalistically, um, unfolds. And, um, so yeah, so to not, to really use things to, to just tie everything into picture supportively and to never have anything that jumps off of picture in terms of theme, um, really because what everything was, was there to kind of service the, the narrative and the momentum up until the very end and the payoff. When, when it's revealed that really the whole film is just this sense of hiding in plain sight. It's been there the whole time. And, um, and so for the film, for the, for the score, the whole score is really just a reverse de- deconstruction of the last cue. 
like I watched this movie on a plane, not expecting, you know, what happens at the end and how drastic the last like 20 minutes or so get. What are some of the differences like in working on this when you're working from a screenplay versus working on a, you know, a, a semi-finished project where you actually see the visuals? What are the differences in writing a score for those two vari- variables? Well, the differences for me are are, are really um, most. I mean, you get you get a, a further indication of of, the, of tone and certain things that you can push because you get an idea of of, the, of what the space is. You get an idea of the sound, how it was recorded, what that you know how, how the ambience of that. Um, so, so of course, things are going to change, and you're, you're going to augment and, and fit specifically into picture. But mostly, it's it's that you you're then you're you're writing to a particular pacing, um, and and unveiling. And with with horror, especially, you have to hit all, every beat. And and for me, I like I think of it just as stitching. You're stitching everything directly into. I mean, into every blink of an eye, turn of a head, um, you know, camera sweep. Uh, it, it, it just, I, I feel like it really, um, it, it helps so much to, to have the music really almost, um, start to blur the lines between score and sound design in, in how closely it adheres itself to the, um, to the dynamics of the picture, the picture. So that's the main difference. So what led you to this, uh, your latest work on the first, how did you kind of get involved with that project? Um, very much the same way. Um, Bo had been listening to my music and inspired by it, um, specifically a, f- a few different tracks from some of my solo records, and um, had been writing the script for this for this show. And they, he and Jordan Tapas reached out to me um, a year and a half ago and asked me if I would be interested in in scoring. And you know, they told me what the premise of it was, and it seemed to me just like a dream come true. What a um, what a opportunity. So. Um, so yeah, I uh, I started to write themes for that. This um, I think they started coming in around this January, um, and then I started receiving picture in June, and uh, and 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 then it was knocking out a, an episode a week until August, and we're done. So it seems like in hindsight, you're just, you know, putting out the best work you can and people are kind of finding you. Do you have any, you know, other advice for people that are trying to get into this world and how they might make these connections? It really just is to do as much as you can to take the jobs that that you can and that, you know, obviously the ones that you are um, inspired by um, to always push uh, to always make sure that you're consuming and that you're within the the, the the you know not genre but the medium you know so if you're interested in in film you know consume the the, the medium understand the the history of it and, where, and what's been done and what can be done and what you'd like to see done that you haven't seen and heard done it before um, and uh, just technically speaking, once you're you're working and you can start to and you have a little bit more le- leverage um, with any more leverage that you have, and always insist to the best of your ability that um, directors and editors work with your with your music for temp um, uh, to to you know so as much as they can, rather than bring you in at the last minute to um, to try to replace a, an entirely temp movie. It's just a it's a it's a it's a flawed system and model that uh, that I think is 
starting to really budge and, and or, I mean, or, or, you know, starting to really go by the wayside. People are understanding that there's better ways to do it and it just takes a little bit more time and a bit more effort, but that the payoffs are, are, are great. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.